welcome to another episode of Modern Day Wizards, a podcast about wizards and magic and general whizbiz, I guess I would say. Whizbiz. Yeah. So uh, today, this is the second episode, and it's been a very long time since I've done one, and uh, it has a lot to do with the fact that it's not often that you come across another wizard. And uh, luckily where I am, I happen to have met up with one. And uh, I'm very glad that that happened because uh, it's a very special experience to be able to relate to someone on, I don't know if I'd say an equal level, but just kind of like the same frequency. So, Devin... Wait, 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 what does that mean? Well, we can get into that. <laughs> Devin, Devin Ryback, I believe you call yourself the Mindful Mage. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of decided that when I start first start talking to somebody on the show that I'm going to ask him what's a wizard and uh, what's magic. Um, as far as uh, what a wizard is, I think recently, maybe like last year, I actually looked up the definition of the word, and it used to mean, it didn't, from what I understand, it didn't necessarily have to connect with magic in a way. It sort of um, means wise person, mm-hmm. or wi- like wiseard. Mm-hmm. Um, and this sort of connects with, uh, my learning that, you know, we hear a lot about, um, Merlin and King Arthur and stuff, but I didn't know that Merlin was a title, not Mm. the name of Mm. the person. So that sort of connects. The wizard is a title, Merlin is a title, Mm -hmm. we can all kind of like earn the title, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Can I squeeze another definition in here? Because I've actually come across a lot of definitions of wizard, which basically say it's about wisdom. So we have knowledge and we have wisdom. Mm. What's the difference between those two things? I would say... If we're talking about true knowledge, not just knowing about things, Mm -hmm. true knowledge comes from experience because that's all we can really know for Mm -hmm. sure is what I'm experiencing right now. I can say that I've read about... um, I don't know, the the water cycle, you know, mm-hmm. but I've never been a raindrop in this <laughs> life, so I don't know what that's like. You've never even directly studied it, or... Right, yeah. exactly. Um, I would say wisdom, wisdom is something that happens when, when we come into contact with differing worldviews, and we somehow integrate them into a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think wisdom has a lot to do with... It might it might be inherently connected with compassion. Okay. Because compassion also happens when we understand that there are literally other realities out there. People are experiencing something completely different than what I am. Yeah. And yet they are here, and I must interact with them on some level. Mm-hmm. So that wisdom and compassion are, are very buddy-buddy together. Okay, so would you say that it's a combination of knowledge and using that knowledge from a place of compassion? I would align with that. Okay. Yeah. So what would be unwise? Hmm. I guess any action 
made without considering the effects it has on everything. Mm. Or, you know, considering to the extent that we are presently able to, because mm-hmm. we don't know everything. Um, any action that doesn't take those things into consideration is unwise, I would say. So just considering how it affects you, or maybe the people very, very close to you. Yeah. So, wisdom, that actually aligns with, with my definition. Um, do you feel like that kind of summarizes the definition of a wizard? A wizard is someone who seeks knowledge and uses it wisely. I think the use of the knowledge is a key aspect of what a wizard is. Mm-hmm. Like, and it might even, at some point, it, it, it feels like accumulating all of this knowledge creates this kind of compulsion to you like you're building up this pressure almost and at some point i imagine one might have to really fight against that pressure if they if they don't intend to to use the knowledge or mm-hmm. share the knowledge because once you I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you've had similar experiences, but if I find something that's, like, really good, I just want to share it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not so sure what the ratio is between, like, my natural, uh, I guess, will to share that stuff, or whether that would happen with anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, if I told just some dude on the street something really great, like some piece of information that would just change his life, would he just automatically want to share that? Or does it, that have more to do with who he is as a person? Mm-hmm. So it could be both. They could both play a role in that. Mm-hmm. Do you think, let's say, it would vary by individual, which I suspect it would. My experience, so. it does, and some people will completely hide all knowledge to their own advantage. I mean, there's the other extreme. Um, Is that a result of how we, or basically our experiences in this life, Um, if we were traumatized, we're going to be trying as hard as we can to avoid those situations again, so we're more likely to want a power advantage. Um, And maybe if we lived in a, a family and a situation where everything was pretty great and everyone helped everybody and we loved it, that we would want to do it this way. Or is it something people are born with? Or is it a combination? And we're still kind of talking about wizardry, wisdom, and yeah, like the expression but specifically of the, the sharing aspect of it, wanting to. <clears throat> um, I think this could easily go into like the nature versus nurture argument, mm-hmm. which I don't really like because it's just another false dichotomy. I guess then my question is, do you think any aspect of it is you're born with it? Yeah. Okay. Um, but going back to um, something we've talked about a little bit, reincarnation, mm-hmm. you know, if we participate in that story of reincarnation, then... At some point, no one is born with any, like, special talent, but you can cultivate that talent over the course of many lifetimes. So your first incarnation, you start on a blank slate, is what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. Okay. 
I mean, I, I imagine so. I'm not really sure how that works. Uh, but yeah. So, yes and no. People are born with, with this kind of thing. Okay, so we can level up, basically. Put it in game yeah. terms. Uh, in a way, something about us which is not specific to our body. But then, once we're in our body, that levels up too. Mm. And when we die, that will be lost. But we may have gained well, some levels for the more long-lasting thing. I don't know if I would call it eternal, but mm. longer-lasting. Mm. Uh, okay, so there's the sharing, and I like that you say that because when I was trying to come up with the most concise way of defining what's a wizard, because I feel like people are going to ask me a lot. And uh, I was just thinking, a wizard seeks truth and shares it. Mm. And, I mean, a lot of people use sorcerer in a different way than I use it, but I tend to use it in the you know, more you know, dark side of the force type. Um, so a sorcerer seeks truth and uses it, and hides it, mm. to maintain advantage. And I think we're all doing. I mean, I definitely will hide truth to my own advantage. I'm not, I'm not uh, a totally pure person in that way, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing to be completely all the way. Tell everybody everything, especially. Well, that wouldn't be uh, very skillful. Right. And where we are, we hear a lot about Buddhist concepts because mm -hmm. um, you know we're at the Bodhimanda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the skillful means is probably one of my favorite concepts because that it assumes that let's say I'm using skillful means, and not to create a hierarchy at all but just to point out a fact that maybe I know something that someone else doesn't. Mm -hmm. And maybe that thing that I know is about a much bigger picture, like a bigger, a bigger comprehension of truth. Um, so I might intentionally withhold certain information from this person or intentionally lie to someone mm -hmm. in a way that would actually guide them closer to what their truth is, mm -hmm. or what the truth is. Mm -hmm. So that's why when we get down to the details of things, like it might appear that we're going against what someone might call the wizardly way. Mm -hmm. But that's okay because we know differently. And so and this, and this is the thing where I think you and I have in previous conversations kind of come to I obviously have problems with this uh, even though I recognize that I definitely do it and I and I don't it's hard to imagine a state of being where I wouldn't um, but I still have issues with it because in that situation where you're looking at someone's situation you're going I recognize that I probably know something this person doesn't know mm. and I'm right about it and um, they're not going to be able to incorporate it in a healthy way if I just tell them. Right. So I, in order to help them, my intention is to help them, I'm going to maybe even tell them something that's actually not true or not quite the way it is because I know that, or I suspect, it's going to turn them in the right direction. But my, my issue with that is that you're basically... Is the M word coming? What? Manipulating? Well... I wasn't going to use that, but that's essentially what it is. I mean, you're basically... They have free will choice, and your choice is limited. The choices you're going to make are affected by what you know. So if you don't know something that is true, you're going to make decisions which are more likely to be faulty. But you're ultimately responsible for your decisions, but in that case, 
you're saying he's not he can't be responsible for his decision in this moment so I'm going to be responsible for it without him giving you permission to do that I would say well first I'll say I follow you mm-hmm. and then I I will say I don't agree that I'm now taking responsibility for his decisions because we have we have whether we know it or not, we are fully responsible for every action, every thought, and every emotion we do or experience in any moment. And so, I would say most people don't fully accept that responsibility. For themselves. For themselves. Mm-hmm. Which leaves room to play a victim role. Mm-hmm. Things happening to me. Um, I have You're making me feel this way. Mm-hmm. When in reality... I can't make anyone feel any way. Mm-hmm. No one can make me feel any way because my response is my responsibility. Yeah. Responsibility. Yeah, so just by sort of being affected by it, he's kind of giving consent yeah. in a way. I mean, yeah, I can get behind that. And the whole idea of consent, which I think comes is kind of the crux of morality, we have to assume people are giving us consent for most things until they tell us otherwise. Mm. I mean, of course someone doesn't consent to me punching them in the face, I certainly wouldn't assume that, but they probably would consent to me baking a chocolate chip cookie because I think they might want one, and then putting it out there so it filled the air fills the room. I'm basically controlling their behavior, they're going to walk in the room, smell the cookie, and they're going to eat it, and that's what I wanted them to do, but in a way, I can assume that they consent to me doing that, because this mm-hmm. is kind of how we operate. I mean, we're all affecting each other all the time, we all have wishes and desires for the other people in our lives. And uh, there's really no way around that. I, I want to say something about that um, cookie example. Mm-hmm. And this might just be like a really subtle difference, but I think it's very key. Um, in a way, we could consider you baking the cookie. Like if you wanted someone to eat a cookie, and so you bake the cookies and let the smell fill the room, knowing that they probably like chocolate chip cookies, and it's like, then they eventually eat a cookie. Mm-hmm. How much of that is actually you controlling their behavior, and how much of that is you just having knowledge of cause and effect? Well, I have the knowledge, but then I choose to make the cookie. Right. But I think there's a lot of weight or heaviness and connotation around the word control, in the same way that there is around the word manipulation. Mm-hmm. More and more, I am. I'm doing my best to to have this balance, the uh, this knowledge that, in the same way that I'm responsible for my experience of reality, other people are too. Whether or not my awareness is greater than theirs, or vice versa, they they still make choices, and so I'm. By holding this perspective, I am, in a way, pipelining to them a feeling of empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am seeing them as one of the infinite mirrors in this world. One of the infinite sets of eyes that the whole thing sees itself through. I am seeing them as empowered and making their own choices. Mm-hmm. So that kind of steps 
away from this idea of like babying people, um, making sure that everyone is okay. And it also, simultaneously, keeps my head smaller, in a way. It keeps me from getting a big head mm -hmm. about the effect that I'm having on other people. Because mm -hmm. I'm not really controlling anyone. In a way, I can use my knowledge to predict what they'll do based on what I do. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of just like tapping a domino. At any point in time, in any given moment, there is the option to choose something. Right. So I bake the cookies, knowing that they're probably going to eat one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, just having done a fair amount of study on, on how, I would say, what I call the dark side, uh, how they kind of are in control of the current situation on this planet, and uh, largely do it through mind control. And, I mean, they're basically doing exactly in the way that you're you're saying they're they're just they're not actually making anyone do anything they're just presenting things in a way and knowing human behavior and psychology really well i mean beyond our current psychological knowledge ancient psychological knowledge and just saying yeah if we do this most people are going to do this and, and I'm doing it and that's, that's how they can keep their hands clean right too. karmically yeah yeah um and also in a way they subtly explain what they're doing perhaps in a language right. that's not so accessible like in the legalese so right to speak. and you know making movies about what exactly what they're doing which mm. you know it tells you what's happening but in a way you're telling them by by you know ingesting it and not objecting and getting you know saying no 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 you're basically saying oh yeah we're okay with this we're right. okay with the robot future where everyone yeah kills us and we're batteries and <laughs> Right? In a way, that's that's what's happening. Right. So anyways, there's the there's the dark side of doing what... When we'll, we'll, I think we both admit there's people in the world who are doing using that in a bad way. That's ultimately harmful to... The knowledge is, is neutral. Yeah. This is where I think intention plays a big role. But So like with Himmler, for example, the, in the podcast I was just in, we started talking about Himmler and how he carried around the Bhagavad Gita with him and basically, you know, he took on this like, this idealization of the way things should be, which justified everything that he did, you know? Hmm. And his, I think that his, his sense of it was that he, he had good intentions. And I think most people feel like they have good intentions, but some people are wrong about it. Mm. So wh where is the, where is that line? Where does it cross over? Where is it most clear we've stepped into dark side? It's tricky. But I think when we recognize that it's all one thing, mm. and that we're all just seemingly separate parts of that one thing. Mm -hmm. Now I'm about to say something and then I'm about to like follow it up with something else that reinforces the aspect that this whole thing is tricky. Mm -hmm. When we see a lot of uh, a lot of um, resistance to something we're doing, we might use that as a gauge mm -hmm. to determine whether we're doing is really good or bad. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, 
we start doing something and we notice a lot of people telling us, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is not okay. This I feel hurt by this, right? And we can see that in many different forms, whether people are more or less explicit about it. Himmler was surrounded by people who were supporting what he was doing. Mm. If there was resistance, he didn't. He wasn't largely exposed to it. Mm. Anyways, I want you to continue with your saying, but I'm, I do want to point out that problem. Yeah, so here's why that's tricky, too. Um... Sometimes we might just feel like, well, this is new knowledge, right? This is knowledge that not everyone, or old knowledge that people have lost. Mm -hmm. And I know that when I express this knowledge, there will be much resistance mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, probably thousands of wizards and magic users in the past have been killed because people weren't ready right. for that mm -hmm. kind of knowledge. Uh... But in their heart, they knew that it was true and good. So, that's why it's also tricky. Um, I think I just said something that might lead us to a better understanding. Um, they knew it in their heart. The people who were killing wizards? No, the wizards. The wizards. They knew it in their heart that they were right, mm -hmm. not in their head. Not only in their head. Ah, yeah. Now, there's no way to... Himmler, I would imagine, was very head-based. There's no way to tell for sure how someone else is experiencing their reality. But for me, when I'm more heart-centered, there's this is where the knowledge is. Mm. This is where it happens. And... I would say that this is also where the wisdom happens because this is where the compassion happens. This yeah. is where the connection happens. Yeah, I think it's where emotion and thought are merged mm. into what I would call feeling. Yeah. So if we're operating from here, I think we can be more certain that our intentions are good. Because we can feel it. Mm. It's just warm. Mm -hmm. Here's very cold, very sterile, very like laboratory. Yeah, that works for me because... Um, I mean, a common theme in, like, Star Wars and stuff like that, like, people who use the dark side, they are very powerful, but ultimately, it's destroying them. And, you know, the, the people around them as well, but it's ultimately destroying them. And you can tell when that's happening. Like, there's been stages of my life where I could tell that was happening. And, um, yeah, I definitely... Heart is definitely something that keeps coming at me from all kinds of different places, saying, yes, the heart is the center, the heart is the key. And um, that just makes sense to me, especially the more and more that I feel into that. And um, yeah, I actually feel pretty, feels really good to, to, to have that. I mean, it's not necessarily a thought I've never thought of, but just like another person saying it, knowing that I can trust that. Mm. And I feel, I feel pretty confident about that. And that confidence comes from here, which is a little suspicious. The confidence comes from the same place that it's confident in, but that's just an intellectual, you know, dance. I, I don't think that actually matters. But yeah, it feels good to be able to say, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Well, I already know that. Let's just check in. Mm. Yeah. That feels complete. Mm. That, uh, yeah. that thing. So um, uh, there's probably some things that we could we didn't quite finish, but 
the first thing, I'm going to just go back all the way to the beginning. We were talked about wizards. Mm -hmm. and I feel like we've kind of covered that. Um, but what is magic? Very recently, I would say within the past month, um, my understanding of magic has kind of crystallized in a way that it has never before. And I feel very sound in saying that magic is essentially rapport with the world. Mm -hmm. Are we familiar with, shall I explain what rapport mm -hmm. is? Rapport is... I'll explain it in context. It's especially important in therapeutic environments when someone is working with a therapist or a hypnotherapist, which is what I do. Mm -hmm. um, if there is no rapport between myself and whoever I'm working with, no healing can occur. Because mm -hmm. it's the door's closed. The door's closed. Rapport is opening the door. It doesn't mean that they like me as a person or that they want to be my friend. It simply means that the door is open and they're willing to work with me in this energetic exchange. Mm. So I would, just to pose a simple de definition, rapport would be trusting that the person would have good intentions and also trusting that they know what they're doing. Yes, trust is the huge element of rapport. Mm -hmm. It's necessary. So my, my understanding of magic works best when I personify the world or the universe and imagine that in the same way that I have a personality and a, an experience of things, the whole thing does as well. Um, and maybe even in the same way that I can, at different points, choose to become aware of different parts of my body, mm -hmm. more so than I was before, the whole thing can become aware of different parts of itself, more so than it was before. Um, what is the... I, I forget the author of the book, The Alchemist. I don't know the author. But that book, that book, when he becomes the wind at the end, that's rapport with, with the universe. That's what I mean. It's just there's no separation at that point. So uh, magic is often defined, I think, many people's idea of magic is, is about using the mind to affect the world, mm -hmm. manipulate the world, control the world, make the world do what I want it to do. Mm -hmm. It's very heady. Mm -hmm. Very heady approach to magic. Um, instead, I imagine magic as being more like an invitation to, to dance. Mm -hmm. Would you like to dance in this particular way mm -hmm. um, to have this particular effect? And so, I'm not saying either one is the only way mm -hmm. to work with the, with the universe. I imagine many dark magic users don't have very much rapport with the universe. Mm -hmm. They make it do things, mm -hmm. which is why it eventually kills them, <laughs> or hurts them, mm -hmm. and, and destroys them. Mm -hmm. um, but having rapport is much more productive, much more mm -hmm. life giving. So seeing the world as alive and in the same way that you and I are having separate experiences and we are able to interact and uh, 
feel a connection, a relationship. That connection, that possibility for connection exists in other things. Trees, the wind, Mm -hmm. the planet, and that it's possible to connect with these things and build a rapport to the point where you can suggest, hey, I think this might be a good thing to do at the moment. And, uh, you know... You're essentially asking consent for this thing to happen. Yeah. Uh, Which is... To me, that feels... That's very heart-based. I mean, that's coming directly from the heart. So so let's say there's the the dark side who forces it, and he he has consistency. He knows because he forces it, it's going to do what he says. But if you're in a situation where you're in a lightsaber battle and you just lost your lightsaber and you need it to come to you, and then usually it would, but in this moment, whatever being or entity that you're asking decides, nah, now you're dead. I don't think that would happen, though. Really? Because you've established a relationship mm-hmm. up to that point. Mm-hmm. And so when you reach for the lightsaber, you're saying, please, and it says yes. It's like asking a friend. Yeah. Like, please, like, if I were to ask you to help me, I feel pretty confident. Especially if I was about to die, that you would do everything. Probably you wouldn't could. even have to ask. Right. You'd be like, dude, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so magic is, would you say... I mean, would you say that knowledge comes into it? I mean, do you have to, in order to use magic, do you have to know some truths about the universe, or is it really just purely relationship and asking? If you were having a bad day and I knew that you liked chocolate chip cookies, mm-hmm. that knowledge comes in very handy mm-hmm. because I can then make you some chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. And as a as a a way to invite you to have a more joyful experience that day. But you wouldn't be able to make the cookies without the knowledge either. Right. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't make the cookies, because I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. So in, in my, that example is my answer to your question. Knowledge is very useful. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, in a way, it's impossible to not know anything, because if we're operating with, um, the understanding of knowledge being direct experience, we're always, this is always happening. Mm-hmm. And to varying degrees, we can be more or less aware of more of what is happening. And so that would give us more knowledge. Um, I'm always interested in gathering more knowledge mm-hmm. because I'm very. I, I know what I'm doing with it. I'm doing good. That's what I want to do. I enjoy sharing in a way that helps others enjoy their experience mm-hmm. more. So I, I know exactly what I'm doing with the knowledge. So in that in that way, I think I've kind of opened up a channel mm-hmm. to be to access more knowledge, and and that's sort of the rapport, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm aligning with the intention of the whole, th- we've talked a little bit about this too. What is this whole thing doing? Like, what is the point of all of this? Yeah, I think it's just to have a good time. Yeah, we essentially both, I think, agree it's it's for play. It's not quite as. I mean, our idea of play is not the same thing, and because part of this play is some pretty horrible things, right? Yeah. Um, but overall, I'd say the maturity of experience is not horrible, mm. and maybe it's okay that a little bit of it is. If it's a, if it's a situation where that's necessary for 
the contrasting expression of awesomeness. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, I'm personally willing to pay that. I mean, I say that until I'm in the middle of being tortured or something like that, but, but ultimately that will end, and I don't think, I mean, most experience in the world is not torturous. So, mm. yeah. All right, so... That's sort of... Um complete the answer to what is magic? I think so. I think there's a lot more to talk there, but I, I don't really want to spend the whole... I think I think we touched on on uh, some very fundamental elements of what is magic, mm -hmm. and if we were to continue talking about it, it might go into more technical or semantical... Right. Like, well, how do you define magic? Is mm -hmm. it basically just science, or synthesis of science and art? Mm -hmm. There's the saying that the technology of a sufficiently developed intelligent race is indistinguishable from magic. Yep. So is magic just technology? The fact that people are, you know, listening and watching or even watching us right now, yeah. that we have these lights shining on us is to someone uh, 200 years ago would seem magic. Like magic. They would yeah. be totally intimidated by us. They would probably see us as gods. Mm. So. I think the last thing we can say about magic um, that is, is a very key component of the understanding of magic is that when we do magic, nothing is happening that is beyond the possibility of this universe. That's impossible. Magic, magic is, is the result. Magic is often in the eye of the beholder, right? That's why when people do magic tricks, which are basically just based on gimmicks or mm -hmm. sleight of hand, you get the wonder, right? But the magician knows exactly what they're doing. Um, so in a way... I mean, I guess we are sort of getting into talking about that other stuff, but mm -hmm. I, I don't want to talk about it for very long. Okay. Um, in a way, like, the magic is actually in that little kid who is amazed. That's like, that is my card, or where did the coin go? How did it get in my ear? Mm -hmm. Right? So the, the experience of the magic is in the other. Yeah, it manifested. That was the goal, to manifest that. The all. So in a sense, the thing that you're manifesting is the magic. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with the... I mean, I like the definition of magic that it's a combination of... It's basically making change in accordance with what you want or what the universe wants using knowledge and creativity. Mm. Art, and, art and science, basically. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so... Do you do magic? <laughs> I would say yes. Okay, so... A lot of things that just normal life, like we said, would qualify. So, <coughs> excluding all those things, do you do magic that people listening would say, oh, that's magic? Um, I guess divination yeah. would, would be magic. So what's divination? Divination, um, I have kind of a, an interesting take on divination. I don't see it as looking into the future. I see it as looking more deeply into the present moment. And from there, we can get a sense of where things might go. But in every moment, things are changing. So a lot of people have this idea that, you know, you go to a fortune teller and it's all very serious. Mm -hmm. It's all very serious. And it's like, oh, I see in your future, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, no. Like you're sentenced to yeah. that future. Prophecy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, the idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy comes. It's like, oh, you're going to get hit by a bus or whatever. And it's like, I spend like the next month worrying about yeah. all this stuff. And I eventually tire myself out and to the point where I'm just forget to look at both ways and I get hit by a bus. Right. 
Um, but I don't think of divination like that because every moment is is ripe for change. And so, let's say we do a tarot reading. Mm-hmm. There are many different spreads that, like a classic three-card spread, would be a past, present, and future card. But that's just a snapshot of this present moment. It's a forecast. It's like predicting the weather. Mm-hmm. It's like science's divination. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, it's probability. It's, yeah, it's it's recognizing patterns and based on our understanding of the patterns saying, well, it's probable that this is going to be what happens. It's the same exact thing. It's just using more of, uh, well, I guess our weather instruments would be the tarot cards mm. and the weather or the climate would be life events, mental climate, Mm -hmm. emotional climate. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do not align with this idea of of predicting exactly what's going to happen in the future. I do align with the use of of probabilities, Mm -hmm. though. Um, So what, what can I say more about about divination. Well, can you give just a... There are many forms of div- divination, too. Just a quick... I mean, maybe I can attempt a definition. Uh, basically, divination is asking the universe or something, some other essence or intelligence which exists in the universe, a question. And having it influence the physical world in the form of the cards and determining mm-hmm. what cards or what runes or, you know, what sticks in the e gene or whatever it's called mm. show up and basically answering your question mm. um i mean does that yeah that's that's one aspect of it okay i would say um for everyone who might be watching or listening who has ever considered maybe getting a tarot reading or getting a tarot deck or playing with the runes or anything mm-hmm. um There's nothing really woo-woo about it, unless you make it that way. Oof, this is, I feel like this could be hard, hard to convince, I mean, even convince me of that, it feels woo-woo to me. Yeah, so, so I, I knew someone, um, I was working at a hostel on Nantucket, um, as a volunteer years ago, not last summer, but years ago, and the son of the then manager came for a week-long visit and he gave me one of the most powerful tarot readings classic Celtic cross spread uh, that I've ever gotten and he's totally like he he practices Vipassana meditation every day very into his practice very into the present moment this is what is there's nothing more than this I'm not communicating with any spirits at all it's very like psychological and it was the most powerful tower reading, one of the most, mm-hmm. that I've ever received. So you said about divination that it involves communicating with something. Well, okay, it can also just literally be a mirror for the self. In the same way that I might have a question 
that I've been mulling over for like maybe a week, and I, I, I just want a different perspective on it. So I might call you up and ask you what you think about it, and then you give me your perspective. In the same way, the tarot cards could be that. Um, there are specific archetypes in the tarot, um, often very like luscious imagery in some of the more recent decks, because that's one way that artists like to express themselves, by making really beautiful tarot decks. And so I ask this question, and I you know, throw some cards out here, and I use them as a mirror, and I use a combination of like what I know this card technically means, and my intuition. Maybe I notice something in the art that I hadn't before, mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense mm -hmm. with what I'm... But in a way, any card that, that I laid out could have made perfect sense. Right, so it doesn't require that any entity is controlling it. No. Just be random cards, completely random, and your interpretation and your current situation and how you're looking at this is what matters. Do you I, actually I don't agree think that's with the concept. Happening? I don't agree with the concept of randomness, but for now, in in the in this definition, yeah, totally random cards. Mm -hmm. For um, do I agree that that's what's happening? Yeah. For me, that's not my experience. Mm -hmm. For me, I have a very tangible feeling of communicating with something outside of myself. And I also balance that with the knowledge that everything I see outside of myself is a reflection of everything that exists inside of myself. So it's very, and this goes back to the wisdom thing, it's all like, you know, I could explain everything at once to someone, mm -hmm. and it would be very paradoxical. And it's like, how do you live like that? How do you just, like, have a simple thought? Mm -hmm. So like, well... It makes sense to me, because I've sort of reconciled these paradoxes, but, like, I cast a rune last night mm -hmm. on the computer. Not with my own runes, not with the app on my phone, but just some website. You cast a single rune on the... You asked a question. I asked a question, yeah. and I cast a rune, and you knew what the question was. Yeah. This was a, a personal question for me, um, about whether or not it was a good idea to do a particular thing. And I read it aloud, and you were like... So you entered the question. It must be like reading... It must be reading what you entered, and it's like, no, this is the same definition that you always get when you get this rune. It's... it's you Oh, could, I meant that it would give you that rune, but I still don't think right, that's right, right. happening. Yeah. yeah. Even if you don't have to enter anything in, into the box, you could just right. cast a rune. But that's, so that's the peculiar thing, because I know whatever it answered was just like perfectly... Super spot on. With the situation, it was a fairly unique situation, and I know the other runes wouldn't have addressed that. You know, some of them would address it in different ways, but most of them probably wouldn't be relevant at all. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's my assumption. And so it's just like, what the, what the hell is controlling that? Because, okay, so I am, even when I, you know, started saying I'm a wizard, which I just think is a truth seeker. I wasn't really into divination. I didn't really take it seriously. I basically thought it was just people, you know, playing tricks on themselves. Until I got a reading from someone who's really good, mm. and I asked a question, and it was a five-card, unique, very unique uh, style. But it was just like, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's, it's so accurate, and I felt so inspired by it. Mm. It was... I mean, I still feel inspired by it. And uh, at that point, it's just like, oh, there's something happening here. 
I mean, I feel, feel like that's kind of what people have to do to wake up from this idea of thinking there's all this woo-woo out there is that... Have a real experience. You start right? experiencing it and you're just like, oh, okay, these rational skeptics out there, I mean, rationally what they're doing makes sense, but they just haven't seen for themselves. And once you see for yourself, you have to leave all that behind. That's the true knowledge. Yeah. So, but, but still, my rational skeptic comes back in and goes... What made those cards come out that way? Mm -hmm. What is the mechanic? Who did that? Do I trust this person? You know, there's all these questions. It's this big void. If there is a, a, a an entity who is controlling it, or a group of entities, mm. are these entities? Would I, if I knew everything that they knew, would I be aligned with their goals? I don't know. So even if there is something happening, I'm a little bit hesitant to trust it. Mm. So do you, first of all, do you think? It is things speaking with you. Is it always the same things, or is it different things that come in and at different times and they control the answer, and then a different thing comes in and controls it the other time? Um, so with the runes specifically, there's a. I still have a lot to study about the runes. Um, I would call myself a novice at this point. But with the runes specifically, there is a huge heritage and ancestry behind that. Mm -hmm. And that links with a particular uh, field. Yeah. Right? It's it's comes straight out of Norse mythology. Like that's who you're dialing when you use the runes. You're grouping the experiences, the beings who were the Norse. Yeah. And they're gods. Mm -hmm. And so they have a very particular view on things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, Okay, well, that's what I'm. That's who I'm asking to help me with this question. Mm -hmm. um, Tarot, on the other hand, is much more open. You don't, in my experience, there doesn't have to be a, a line of communication. It could just be, I'm playing with cards, and it's like, oh, seeing that card in this particular moment, as I'm thinking about this, really changes my perspective mm -hmm. and gets me to think in a way that I wouldn't have if I didn't see this card. Mm -hmm. I could have seen any card out of these, out of the entire deck and had a similar result. But that doesn't matter because it's the effect that counts. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the experience. The effect counts, but I still want to understand. Because there's this, if it is another entity influencing me, I should know that. Because I may not want to do what they're saying, or I may want to at least think about it a different way and go, oh, this is this being's perspective. Mm. And that's valuable to me, but that doesn't mean that's what I'm going to do. When I got my first deck of tarot cards, and there's this idea that you're not supposed to buy your first deck of tarot cards. Mm. It's supposed to be a gift. Mm -hmm. But I never experienced any uh, setbacks or negative qualities from buying my own deck. My first deck was the Shadowscapes tarot deck, which has some of the most beautiful imagery I've ever seen. And at the time, this is like eight, eight years ago, um, it was exactly what I needed. It was... There were enough varying themes in the deck to convey any any concept to me without being, like, super harsh, like... It's kind of like a more gentle type thing. Very mystical. Um, 
And for me, I kind of, I draw from a lot of shamanic perspectives, which inherently involves communicating with entities outside, and whether it's like spirit or power animals, or like the spirits of plants, or the spirits of everything is alive. Everything, that stick over there, the this curtain is alive. Everything has life, everything is mind, you know, the first principle. Mm -hmm. um, so personally, for me, I'm super open to that. And, which can be a bad thing, if I don't know how to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most important lessons in, well, just in daily human life, but especially if we're going to start using magic, we need to know how to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um... But the more I used that deck, the more it felt like I was communicating with something. And it was a very playful kind of spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, to me, it felt like it was guiding me to... I was in a pretty dark place, like very deep in this hole that I dug for myself. So it felt to me like it was kind of just like, you can come out whenever you want. Just come on. It's fine. Um, and that helped me. It doesn't matter if that entity is it was real for me I don't have to prove it which is what a lot of rational skeptics want you to do prove it like why not to prove there's no point to doing that no this is my life this is how it works for me mm -hmm. um, I think behind behind that prove it mentality is like a desire to participate in the experience that this other person is having like you're talking with entities, like, prove it. Prove it so I can feel comfortable enough to experience the same thing. Right. Instead of just having the experience yeah. on, but, on your own. But like I, like I had the experience, and that woke me up, but at the same time, my rational skeptic's still there, and it still wants to know. Um, and I don't think I don't think we're going to answer that question so much right now. I mean, basically, my head goes... <laughs> and my heart goes, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, What's your gut saying? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not so in touch with my gut. I mean, it feels pretty calm and peaceful, but, like, it's not a center I focused on mm. that much. I do think it's an important center. As important as the head, I would say the heart is the center of the two, and they orbit around it. But um, Another question I had, because we basically were talking about magic, and you brought up divination, and that is one form of magic. I think a lot of people would agree. Um... But neither of us can, um, you know, pick up that cup and bring it to us without touching it. So, mm -hmm. why can't we do that? Well, I can't answer the why. Mm -hmm. Just a short aside, mm -hmm. tangent. Um, I, I kind of call myself a, a mystic. I would say I'm more mystical. And simply put, that means I embrace the mystery of things. Mm -hmm. um, not knowing certain things actually leaves a lot of room for creativity. It leaves room for the universe to create something for me that I wasn't expecting. If I knew everything, nothing new would happen. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, my perspective is, I can never really answer the why. Even if you ask me why I did something, I can only tell you my thoughts about why I did something. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why. <laughs> I can tell you how something happens, mm -hmm. but not why. So why can't I just lift this cup... Instead of having to reach over and would, bring it to me. Would you say that there was a time where humans could do that? Or maybe even now, there are humans who can do that. Um, 
to be most accurate, I would say that I neither believe nor disbelieve that. I'm open to the possibility. What do you suspect? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what was different then? Which is... I think the field was different then. The field meaning the whole... Like, um... So, you know, we can talk in terms of, like, fundamental elements. The four right. basic elements, plus the fifth being the ether. Mm-hmm. Um, the ether is basically just awareness. That's Awareness has a... We c- if we looked hard enough, we could find the particle that is awareness. Let's just say. I don't know. I wouldn't say we could. But it's super, super small. It would have to... It would be like, okay, you found me. I think Great. this is the particle. I mean, you're... Intellectually, you're going to dive down and keep finding things, I mm-hmm. think, and, but you're just going to be like, oh, well, this is, this is it. It but, comes back to itself, just like the Ouroboros, right? I wonder if anyone knows what I mean when I say this. I think they do. What? When I say that this is the particle that we're looking for? Uh, I suppose you could... How are we on time, by the way? We've got about seven minutes left. No, this, you want to, you want to describe that a little bit, like this is the particle. I mean, if it's anything like this is what, like we talk about, if we can well, know anything for sure, this is right. It is that. So, the, but science has the mindset of we want to understand what is the foundational thing right. out of which all of this happens. You know, yeah. and I think that exists. I think there is a foundational base thing. Well, currently we're looking into it like we're like drawing formulas on paper and coming up with ideas of things that are... I mean, we think we're diving deeper, but I feel like we're creating, right? Every time we find an atom, then we find quarks, and then we find that the quarks are made of something, and then we find that those are made of something, and we're just like, ah, I just keep going. Mm-hmm. And if we look out into the universe, it's kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, the universe goes on for as long as we can tell, and I would say it probably goes on forever. So I, I, If we I think, chase it forever, right. it'll go on forever. I think it goes on forever in both directions, so then what's the fundamental thing? I'm just like, this is the fundamental thing. You know, I mean, the, the thing that you, the only thing you can know for sure, which is that this is happening. I mean, that's, even that's too intellectual. Mm-hmm. This. Yeah. Right? That's the fundamental thing. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. How we got here, but that's the answer. That's my answer to that question. Yeah, um, I think we were talking about um, along the lines of magic. Mm-hmm. Why can't I just oh, yeah. pick up that cup? Yeah. Oh, and could humans do that at some point? And can humans do that? Certain humans now. Um, if I were being very serious about it, I would say, you know, I, I already said, well, I'm open to the possibility that that's, uh, I'm not going to believe or disbelieve, but if I'm being myself, I would yeah. say, yeah, totally. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've seen someone do it. I mean, I saw someone do it on a video, but it's someone that I know personally and trust that they would not fake that. Mm. And, I mean, they didn't pick it up, but they did drag it towards them. So, of course, it could have been a trick. But, again, I know the person, and I don't think they would do that. And so I just go, wow. So what... What does that? The field. Yeah, but what's making... So, yeah, the field... There is no spoon. Everything's... Right? There is no spoon. It's the same... That cup is me. 
Yeah, but how does the, the, there is I don't no know spoon. exactly. Okay. Okay. But what do you think? Is it a skill or a strategy which humans can learn? Yes. Which we do not currently know, and that's why we can't do it. Or is the current, at least local, situation of our planet or our solar system or our galaxy different than it used to be? Like if people used to do this a lot more than than currently do. Like are we in a uh, like an era of low magic? I would say both. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that certain metals and materials have higher or lower electrical conductivity, mm-hmm. I would say that um, the state of this world, and when I say world, I don't mean human society. I don't even mean Earth. I mean in the sense that you were talking about a video game world. Like the whole thing, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that things are not very conductive right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe maybe there are forces actively dampening the conductivity. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that really is, uh, it's just the ability... F- uh, of my local mind Mm -hmm. being able to communicate with the local mind of any object. Now this this doesn't work unless we assume that everything is mind. At the fundamental level, everything is the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's the same way that if I hum a particular note and I have a singing bowl that's tuned to to that particular note, it will begin to resonate. I can't move that cup with my mind unless that cup is also mind. Mm -hmm. And so, something happens in between, or in the perceived between, but there really is no in between. Mm -hmm. It's, that's in, that cup is in my head Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, If we want to be really technical about it, everything out here is happening in here. Mm -hmm. Um... So, with that understanding, duh, it's almost like this block of separation. Like, if we can realize that we are everything out here, Mm -hmm. that makes it much easier to move that cup in the same way that, like, I'm, like, I hold my hand out here as if I'm trying to do something to force the cup, but really, all I need to do is feel the cup in the same way that I feel my arm. Mm -hmm. And then, in the same way I move my arm, I just move the cup, because that's me. So... I can't do it. I'm going to have either. <laughs> it wouldn't really yes. be that useful. And That's was, the other thing. I want to ask you, I mean, the whole idea, and I, I basically agree with you, but I feel like it brings up a dangerous question. Not necessarily, it's not innately dangerous, but, but the statement itself, if understood by certain people, is dangerous. Uh, which is the idea that you are not separate, which means that you are that cup. You are me. So whatever experience I'm having, you're having. So if you punch me in the face, you're creating an experience for yourself of getting punched in the face, mm-hmm. which I, I believe is true, which is why I, what, where I think morality comes from, is that if you harm someone, you are harming yourself. The issue with that is that essentially you're saying you're the only one who exists, which is saying I'm God, basically. I would say that's only understanding half the picture. Mm-hmm. 
and half is a big portion. Mm -hmm. um, that's where a lot of people get stuck because they think they're they're creating everything, like actively creating everything, mm -hmm. and that's when people get a big head. Because if we were to really tune into the heart, we would know that that's not true. Like, my heart feels you here, apart from me, in a way. Mm -hmm. And it also recognizes that there's an underlying connection. In the same way that, you know, Alan Watts might say, when you flip over the embroidery, yeah. you can see where all the strings connect. Yeah. So that's this is like the back end of the system, right? That's where things connect. Out here, yeah, everything is separate. And I think the real the real mystical marriage happens when we unite those two understandings. Like in a way, if we didn't have the separateness, we wouldn't be able to experience the connection as powerfully as we do. Because I can recognize that we are one by tuning in to my heart. And then I can act on that because we're separate. And so then we get both the knowledge and the putting the knowledge into action. Mm -hmm. Meaning I don't punch you in the face. I might make you chocolate chip cookies or something. Yeah. Right? Right. So it's like the that yeah. process it's is the, really And that, that seems to be a continual theme is that the paradox you know, in this case the oneness and also the separateness which allows the oneness to be in a way is the same thing or at least they it's the exist together right and that that you get that everywhere like i think even the kabbalion says that that all paradoxes are reconciled yeah mm -hmm. and, which makes sense to me but again the rational mind well i think he doesn't like that I think if, if anyone is, is interested in stepping past uh, rational skepticism, the Kaivalian is actually a good place to start, because it's very, like, straightforward, right? and, like, everything in that book is obvious, yeah. but if you want to probe deeper, mm -hmm. then you can really start to feel like... And science confirms, I think, all of the principles except the first one. Right. I don't think science can confirm that. Except yes. that this is evidence of it by itself, which means science just confirmed it. But people wouldn't consider that science. Hmm. But, you know, all this principle of rhythm, polarity, I mean, this Polarity's is how we understand the universe works, I mean, yeah. scientifically. And so it is in alignment. It's almost like science of today is rediscovering magic after we sort of wiped it out and then saying, there's no magic, there's yeah. just this. It's just yeah, electricity and... Whatever. Yeah. Okay, so I, I feel like that's a good place to stop. So, but generally, uh, it's good, good to end these things by letting people know about who you are and what you do, and if they want to interact with you in ways that you want to interact with them, mm. how would they do that? So, honestly, I think this is the first time I've ever spoken so specifically and directly about wizardly and magical things. Mm -hmm. Um, because before now I've kind of just been using it as an underlying theme. 
because what I really want to do is is be able to open a door to people therapeutically. I'm a hypnotherapist mm-hmm. uh, by trade, and I also offer what I would call mystical counseling, which could easily be called spiritual counseling, but I just like the term mystical. Mm-hmm. Um, and hypnotherapy, I think why I'm studying hypnotherapy is because it does have a very magical flavor to it. Mm. Uh, it's very mind-based. Um, something we didn't get into, but I would love to talk more about mm. later, and I can sum up right now. When I say mind, I don't mean here. Mm-hmm. I mean the whole thing. Because everything is mind. This is head. Mm-hmm. Head, heart, is gut. this mind? This is also mind. Yeah. yeah. And mind is not local. This is just the controller. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's very mind-oriented, and it's very powerful therapy. Uh, It's like when I was studying at school, we would practice with the coaches and the students all the time. And it's amazing how much junk can be processed in an hour and a half that would take, like, months, maybe years of, of talk therapy. This is very slow. It's a slow medium. Instead, let's go right to it. Let's go back to that exact moment when this initial sensitizing event happened. Process those emotions in a safe container and then just let it go. You don't have to talk about it anymore. Um, It's much more efficient. Dive deep into the core, change a few variables, and come back out. Yeah. And... and, um, as long as we're talking about it right now, the 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 most fundamental fear that people have around hypnosis is loss of control. Mm-hmm. That you're going to make me do something like that. That stage hypnotist made that person quack like a duck or something. Yeah. Um, this goes back to something we talked about earlier in this conversation, uh, namely that we are all responsible for our own experience of of reality. I can't make anyone do anything. Hypnosis is something that's always happening. It's a totally natural process of the mind. Trance is a natural state of mind that we enter all the time at various points of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether we're getting super into a book we're reading or a movie we're watching or we're working on a project to the point where we're like so zoned in that we don't hear someone call our name or like five hours goes by and we forget to eat Mm because we didn't even feel hungry. Uh, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it actually gives us access to more awareness. More puts us more in tune with our body. Because this is part of the headiness of our culture, but a lot of people don't realize that the body, the rest of the body, not just the head, is where the mind is. Yep. This is where the, the subconscious or unconscious mind is. So much emotion is stored in the body. That's why if anyone has ever gotten a really good massage... Emotions come out. We hold a lot of like tension in the shoulders or like fear in the gut. It's, it can it can all be released. Mm-hmm. So, so you're not mind controlling anyone when you're hypnotizing them. That's basically what you're saying. I'm giving them control over their own mind. Mm-hmm. I'm just a co-pilot. Mm-hmm. In when I learned in school, we we use the terms hypnotherapist and co-therapist because without the there has to be an agreement. There has to be rapport. I can't just be like, no, sleep, and then you're just like, see, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I was really intending it, you wouldn't, because that's not the 
That's not what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it has to do with holding space. A lot of hypnotherapy is just basically uh, a ritual, right? So you come to me to do hypnotherapy, whatever the heck that is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you about it, mm -hmm. you know. And then we agree that you're going to listen to the sound of my voice and follow my instructions because you trust me. We've established this. Rapport. Yeah, rapport. And so now when I count down from 10 to 1, you will enter a deep state of trance because that's what we're doing here. That's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people realize that it doesn't feel like anything different than just very restful, yeah. focused. Yeah. It's not like a... Oh, what does it feel like? Just close your eyes. And that's yeah. what it feels and like. And I personally had an experience with a uh, hypnotherapist where um, they were suggesting things I was not comfortable with, and I did not go along with it. And exactly. There was no fear, no danger of me going along with it. It was just like, no, I don't want to do that. So right. So am I going to? Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's if all people would have that. That's that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Some people feel like. That's why stage hypnosis is so effective. First of all, the kind of people who are going to volunteer to be subjects on stage in front of a hundred people, maybe, are sort of maybe prepared to perform. Yeah, right. They, Act, they, they want right? people to be aware of them and be like them, basically, like what they're doing and be yeah. pleased by them. And maybe they want to have a good time, or maybe yeah. they want to have this strange experience, and they're just willing to go along with whatever happens. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, now, that kind of mentality can be very helpful in a therapeutic session, especially when you ha you actually have rapport with someone, not some dude wearing like a suit and tie, maybe a big bow tie or something who you just met five minutes ago mm -hmm. who's going to tell you to like do terrible things to your chair. <laughs> <laughs> terrible things? Well, you know. Things. Yeah. Um... But that experience is real, too. It's real for them. It's real for the audience. Uh, experience is what we know is real. Mm -hmm. So, in, in my experience, um, most recently, I, I just finished my training. I don't want to go too too far over. No, just keep going. Okay. Um, so, the last module of my training, which I took, uh, which I completed just before coming to Bodhimanda um, last month, was past life regression therapy. And there's a reason why they put that as the last module in the training. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they call it spiritual badass training mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. The main reason is when we work with the story of reincarnation, um, essentially we're saying that I accept the law of cause and effect that what is happening right now is a direct result of my actions in a previous life. And so, there's no room for victimhood anymore. Mm. Whatever happens in my life, I have to own it. Like, this happened for some reason. This is one of those things that you would use skillful means for. Mm. And you wouldn't just say, like, oh, well, you got your leg chopped off in a horrible accident? Like, well, yeah, you know, it's karma. Mm -hmm. That's that's highly inappropriate, <laughs> yeah. and that's not coming from the heart space. Mm -hmm. Coming from the heart space is like, oh my God, are you okay? Can I help? Or you know, like whatever. That's terrible. You know. Mm -hmm. um, that's an important distinction. I mean, the whole culture was basically derailed by 
not making that distinction, I think. The whole class-based in India and all that type of stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, they, you know, they deserved it. You know? Right. We don't know why, but we just decided... Very, very heady, yeah. very disconnecting. Um, there's actually a term I feel very inspired to talk about right now called spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have seen it a lot in my past eight or so years before, or like as I was just sort of stepping into what you might call a new age or spiritual community. Um, and that's basically people doing exactly what I just said. So let's say someone has cancer, maybe it's terminal, and let's say that there's some spiritual person, you know, it's the crystals and the Maldives, I do daily tarot reading every day, man, and it's like, you know, well, cancer is, uh, you know, it's just a karmic cause of your previous actions, like, this is, like, you chose this. Basically, like when, before you incarnated, you chose to. I'm using this accent for a reason. You chose to have this experience, man. So, like, you know, it's cool. Get over it. <laughs> Get over it? Do you mean, is he trying to heal them in that situation? That's the point. Mm. Total lack of compassion. Mm. And even if they are trying to be compassionate, they're not being very skillful because they haven't developed the wisdom mm. to do that. And that's the perspective that a lot of people take. They get half of the knowledge. They get like this... They get the knowledge, but they don't have the wisdom. They, they don't have the they, compassion. They leave the heart out of it. They leave the heart out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I'd say, what Himmler did. Mm. That would be my assumption. Mm. So, that's not how you... Like, ultimately, this person with... with Oh, right. So, spiritual bypassing basically means taking the spiritual concept and escaping human experience, trying to bypass human experience, which does involve suffering. That's why we're here, to have a human experience. Mm -hmm. So, people, it's the same way people use meditation to escape reality. Well, actually, I know we're going long, but this is important for me, especially, you know, we're in a Buddhist center right now. I've gone through phases of my life where I was very obsessed with enlightenment, which is, some people would say, the goal of meditation. And to me, it, it feels like escapism, in the very least, which seems like what, you're, what you mean by spiritual bypassing. It's mm-hmm. trying to solve the problems without really doing anything about them. Yeah. It's like, well, it's not my problem. Right. I mean, ugh. Right. And in, in, in Buddhism, you know, it's basically, I don't exist. You know, you're basically trying to eliminate yourself, mm. which I think is an important perspective. I think it's a place, important place to go to. But it's something to be applied right. to this experience. Right. So that's, that's getting both sides of, of the thing. Yeah. Um, now, it might just so happen that this particular person who has terminal cancer is tired of doing chemotherapy because... It's just, like, if I'm going to die, I don't want to suffer for the rest of my month of life. And so they might call me up and just say, I want to pass easily. I want to let go of things. It's like, okay, well, are you also open to letting go of your cancer? Mm -hmm. Or 
specifically in in the context of past life regression therapy are you open to exploring a past life that may have influenced the manifestation of cancer in this life invitation mm-hmm. right yeah not but do you want to yeah uh sure why not mm-hmm. i'm like okay. going to die in a month yeah and i'm just like maybe Who knows for sure? That's what your doctor said. Right. And doctors are hypnotists as well. When they give a prognosis, oh, you've got six months to live. That's programming. Prophecy. Yeah, prophecy. Exactly. Yes. Oh, doctor says, I have six months to live. Better make it so I only live six months more. Now, we're not doing that consciously. We're doing that all unconsciously. Mm -hmm. But uh, the conscious mind is only the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And so we might do a past life session and they might discover that they have this particular cancer and the, the, the area of the cancer in the body might be significant. Um, the, the rate of growth of the cancer might be significant. The relationships in their life that the cancer has affected might be significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of these things have to do with decisions that we made about ourselves yeah. and the world around us. So, like, I don't deserve to live a good life. Or, like, I've made a terrible mistake... I must suffer for this. Mm-hmm. That's something we may have decided in a past life. Or that may not even... I mean, in a way, you could still call it a past life. Just the past of this life, you can yeah. think of as a past life. The cause or the, the karma relating to that cancer may be choices you actually made in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, smoking, for example, would be one. But if we're going to come into the, the mental realm, you know, just staying in a situation where... Every, the people you're around are toxic, and uh, you're doing things that you feel are immoral, and you continue to do it. Yeah. Your, your body is going to object mm-hmm. and uh, try and get your attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the main goal of hypnotherapy is putting the conscious mind in touch with the unconscious mind, so that we can make all of this programming that we're, that's controlling us from the inside out conscious, and then we can decide what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And we can even consciously add new positive programming. That's what hypnotherapy is. Mm-hmm. And specifically about the past life regression therapy, it's not a prerequisite to believe that past lives are real. In the same way that it is not necessary to believe that I'm communicating with an external entity when I read my tarot cards. Yeah, you're exploring a part of yourself. Yeah, it could just be a metaphorical story that has, like, stories are healing. Yeah. You know? And it just so happens that in the same way that my mind is capable of telling me really elaborate stories every night when I'm asleep in the form of dreams, mm-hmm. it can conjure up a past life experience in a hypnotherapy uh, encounter that perfectly explains what is going on. Mm-hmm. My goal is is therapeutic result. No matter what, you, know, you don't believe in past lives, whatever. It's just a metaphor. Sure. So if someone's interested in giving that a try, yeah. what do they do next? So the name of my website is themindfulmage.com. Okay. Um, after this podcast and all the talk that we've shared about magic and wizardry, I'm sort of contemplating like changing the flavor of my website a little bit because I've, I've, I've been consciously 
not going as deep into that as possible because I want to be able to reach as I want to make uh, as big a door as possible for people to. If someone doesn't buy the magic thing, I don't want that to to prevent them from getting some therapy. Yeah. Um, but for everyone who's interested, uh, I do past life regression therapy, hypnotherapy in general. Mm -hmm. TheMindfulMage.com is where you can contact me. Um, and let's say you don't want a session, but you still want to get the benefit, I make uh, customized hypnosis and meditation recordings. Mm -hmm. So we have an interview over the phone, and you say, I want this and this and this. Do you want music? Yeah, sure, or no. And then I'll make a recording and send it to you. And That's You just cool. have that, and you can listen to it on your own, in your own space, as often as you want. Well, I didn't understand that you were actually doing it customized. Uh, yeah. I'm personally interested in that. So, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So they go to your website, themindfulmage.com. There's a contact form on there. You can read about who I am and what I do. And mm -hmm. And uh, I suspect that you and I will be collaborating in many ways, one of which being more discussions like this on the Modern Day Wizards, or yeah. Modern Day Wizards, that's the podcast name. Or, you know, we may even... Just general whiz-biz stuff. Yeah, whiz-biz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thanks for coming on, and I look forward to next time. All right, thank you. Thank you.